All right, Jerobo, say good morning. Let us, let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Perfect, thank you so much. Thank you. Perfect, thank you, thank you. I will say to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei, Dr. Linda Weinberg, Sarah and Ricky Gratz, Julia, Rina, and even memory of their husband, father, and Zayda, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Paris Moshe Ben Avram on the occasion of his second yard site. To thank Ayala and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month, for Shulamis Bas Susha, Adam and Yudit Ben Zev for dedicating the Shurim this month, of all of our Tfilos, being Niskabel. Our week of learning sponsors, Hilary Jacobs in Kent, Akiva Kent in memory of Mordechai Menasha, Ben Shmario, Nathan and Beth Adler in memory of Ben Adler, Achavar Baruch, Mordechai Ben Marino, Rab Nassan, Zichron Levracha, and Said and Sima Haken in the Schlesser of Horshlimah for their granddaughter, Talia Miriam Bas Orli Yehudis. You have done the merit of our Talmud Torah. All of the Nisham of Slav and Aliyah, the families in Nechama, and all those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Chol Yisrael. They both say we have a lot to do today. Incredible, incredible daf ahead of us. Today's daf is Peidali. 84. We are picking up on, well, I'm sorry. Today's daf is Peihei. 85. We are picking up on Peidali number base 84B, about 18 lines up from the bottom, right across from Tulsa's Vihu. Vihu. So it says the Gimara, Kreveit Rabbi Yochanan, toughest part of the Asi. So always remember again, we are dealing now in the interesting sugya regarding the Machlokis Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfan, namely, when a person dies, when a person dies, who has initial rights to his assets? So remember again, we had a Machlokis in the Mishnah, we had Rabbi Tarfan who said that the weakest position creditor gets the property. So again, we had a Machlokis in the Gemara, exactly what that meant. Let's assume for a moment that what that means for now is Ksuba, is a woman. We allow her to collect her Ksuba first, Every other collection comes after that. Rabbi Akiva says, Ein marachem in badin, which I was, I was thinking about, what a, not the kind of phrase you want to read this time of year, right? Ein marachem in badin, there's no rachmanus when it comes to din, right? Din is din. So again, we don't pass in that way, hashkafa lemaisa. We'll see how we pass in halacha lemaisa, but at least again, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's always rachmanus badin. So Rabbi Akiva says, halacha lemaisa, everything goes to Yarshim. Person dies, entire estate goes to Yarshim. After that, we figure out who is in a position to collect what. So I will say, these are some stories illustrating these halachas. So therefore, again, So relatives of Rabbi Yochanan, who had gone ahead and, had gone ahead and lent money to a person who had passed away, ultimately went ahead and seized a cow. Ruven dies, right? He has children, the children get the estate, they seize the cow. So Misinta, and he's looking from Misinta, remember again, Simta is like that alleyway or corner of the Rosh Hashanah where you don't have the same volume of pedestrian traffic. Also, the Rabbi Yochanan, so he came up Rabbi Yochanan, Amr Lehu, Shapir, Tefastua, so Rabbi Yochanan said, Shkoyach, that what you did is permitted, what you did is permitted. Also, the Rabbi Yochanan, and Lakish, he came up for Rish Lakish, Amr Lehu, Zil Ahadru. Rish Lakish says, give it back, give it back. Because we pass with Central Shlakish was saying we pass in like Rabbi Akiva, and therefore when a person passes away, the entire estate comes to the Yisomim. Once it comes to the Yisomim, then we can figure out the estate and figure out how to settle all the various debts. So Ahadur Asa says, Zilu Ahadur Asa The relatives then came back to Rabbi Yochanan. It's Rabbi Yochanan. Reish Lakish went ahead and contradicted you. 
I'm going to be able to do what he wants. What can I do? What can I do? Ultimately, again, those who are opposite me oppose me. Most remember again, Rabbi Yochanan and Rishlakish were brothers-in-law. We're brothers-in-law. So and again, remember, Rishlakish married Rabbi Yochanan's sister. Famous Maisen Nigimah, Rishlakish was the bandit, married Rabbi Yochanan's sister. So Rabbi Yochanan said, no, what can I do? What can I do? I'm outnumbered. I'm outnumbered. So once again, this story seems to point us in the direction that in fact we paskin like Rabbi Akiva, namely Halacha Lamaisa, when a person dies, the entire estate goes to the Yisomim, and then from the Yisomim we figure out who gets paid in what order. Hahu Bikra Diyasmi, the Tafsi to Ramine. So we'll say there was, Bikra Diyasmi Rasha is it, like, we'll call it a shepherd, but it's a bit more sophisticated than a shepherd. Rashi calls him a Shomer Behemoseyam. He's the guy responsible for the herdsman. Sounds more professional than a shepherd, right? He was the herdsman. So what happens? Ruvain dies. Ruvain dies. One of Ruvain's predators comes along and seizes an ox, which is called an ox, right? An animal from the herdsman in satisfaction of a death. So the Gemara says, Balchov So now listen to this. Now this is Machlokas. Now this is Machlokas. The creditor said, I seized this animal while Reuven was alive. Now, Bose, remember again, there's a fundamental distinction between seizure of property before, credit, before, before Reuven dies and after he dies. So remember again, after he dies, that's what Rabbi Akiva says, no, no, no. No one could seize anything after Reuven dies because the entire estate of Reuven becomes the property of the Yisomim after death. Then, as a creditor, you have a right to take the estate to Basin and settle it that way, but no seizure of property after Ruvain dies. However, when Ruvain is alive, I will say there is a concept, if somebody owes you money, there is a concept of being able to seize property under certain circumstances. So watch this. The creditor now claims he seized the ox before Ruvain died. No, no, before Ruvain died. So the Gemara says, on the other hand, the herdsman, the shepherd said, no, that's not true. Creditor, you seized the property after Ruvain died. So what happened? So Nachman says to the shepherd, tell me, do you, have, do you have witnesses that the creditor seized the ox? The herdsman said, I do not. Incredible. In that case, Rabbi Yochanan says, I'm sorry, that Lacha is going to side with the creditor. Why? Rabbi Yochanan what does he have? He has what we call a migo. Migo, Rabbi means what? What could, what could, in other words, the creditor could have easily said what? He could have said, I purchased it. Right? Forget about that. I purchased this. Since he could have claimed I purchased it, and there would have been no way to undermine that claim, when he makes a claim, when he makes a claim that says, I seized it during the lifetime of Ruvain, Therefore, he is believed. Well, so remember again, the concept of Migo says that if you could have made a stronger claim, but instead you make an inferior claim, that by definition attests to the validity of your claim. So therefore, we're going to be okay, so we're, going to, we're going to believe the creditor of Ay, Vamre, Shlakish. But Shlakish says, one second, Hagodros, Eilahen, Chazaka. But it's actually very interesting. Generally, we say that animals, Rashi says specifically, Behemos, Dakos, small animals, so possession, possession is not, does not testify to ownership. In general, both like, if you have something in your possession, that are the possession as nine-tenths of the law, right? If something, if something in your possession 
that generally bolsters your claim. So here the Gemara is saying his creditor has a couple of things going for him. Number one, number one is he has the ox. Number two, he could have said he bought it. Instead, he's saying he seized it during the lifetime of the borrower. Gemara says, but one second. Possession by small animals doesn't make a difference. Why? Because since small animals wander around anyway, so possession does not, is not really helpful. Does, in other words, doesn't attest to your, doesn't, doesn't bolster the validity of your claim of ownership. Shiny Tura to Mesulara. We'll say an ox is different. Because oxen, unlike sheep, which sometimes are a bit more, I guess, like free range, oxen are very often kept under the watchful eye of the herdsman shepherd. So therefore, again, possession of an ox will, in fact, go ahead and attest to the validity of the claim in some way. Good. So we'll say, once again, what's the takeaway from this story? Once again, all, all, that, all things seem to be pointing in the direction of Paschaling like Rabbi Akiva, that when a person dies, their, their estate goes to the Isomim, and everything has to be settled from there. So we'll say the members of the house of the Nasi, right, went ahead and seized a maidservant. So again, they apparently had lent Ruvain money. Ruvain died. They seized a maidservant, a maidservant in a Simta, in satisfaction of their death. Yosir Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papi, Rabbi Yitzchak Nafka, Yosir Rabbi Abba Gabayu Amr, Amr Lehu Shapir, Tafistu. So they said, great job. Great job. They said to the Nasi, they said to the Nasi, ultimately, again, good job. He went ahead and it's all out. Right? It's, it, it's all out. It's all out. Right? So, so, so again, so Lemaisa, Lemaisa, so they went ahead and they said, good job that you went ahead and you seized it and you seized it in satisfaction of the debt. Because this is the Nasi, right? You're kissing up to them. In other words, you're seeing a halacha that accords with them that, that, that justifies their practice. We just had a story before where Rabbi Nachman and his Beisdin passed like Rabbi Tarfon and Reish Lakish came along and reversed the ruling. Namely, that Halacha Lamaisa, after the death of Ruvain, no one has a right to seize anything from the estate. The estate becomes the possession of the Yisomim. You want to lodge a claim against the Yisomim, that's fine. Go to Beisdin, lodge a claim against the Yisomim. So Yemar Bar Chashu have a masik Gavra. So since this story, Yemar Bar Chashu lent money to a particular guy. Shochit. So it's a great story. So what happens? The guy, the guy, let's call Ruven. Let's call Ruven, right? The borrower Ruven died, and he did not pay back Yemar. What happened? Shavik Arba. He left behind the boat. Left behind the boat. We both say not a yacht. We're going to see in just a moment. It was just a boat. It was just a boat. So Yemar said to Shaliach, Zil Tafsan Heli, go, grab the boat. Grab the boat in satisfaction of the debt. Azil Tafsa, so the Shaliach went to grab the boat, right, to acquire the boat for Yemar. So Rapapa and Rafuna met the Shaliach and they said, He's actually fascinating. There's a concept, there's a concept like this of going ahead and seizing property to satisfy a debt when that disadvantages other creditors. So we'll say, the halacha is, it's actually very interesting. So we'll say, let's, let's say, let's say Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi are all creditors. And now let's say they all lent the same guy money. Guy dies, guy dies, 
And let's say again, no Yarshim, no nothing. So now they want to seize their debt. So let's say there's a concept, there's a concept that you can't send a Shaliach to go ahead and collect a debt when that collection is going to put another creditor at a disadvantage. In other words, you could do it yourself. You could do it yourself. But you cannot send a Shaliach to do that. Again, the mechanics of that reason, I'm not going to get into that right now. But Lamaisa, Lamaisa, Surah Papa and Rafuna see the Shaliach of Yemar seizing the boat in satisfaction of Yemar's debt, or the debt to Yemar. Rav Papa and Rafuna says, you know, there are other creditors. And when there are other creditors, a Shaliach cannot seize assets in satisfaction of the debt because he's putting the other creditors at a disadvantage. So I'll say, so what happened? So, so fine, so the Shaliach said, okay, Rav Papa and Rafuna said, I can't seize it. So what say? Turns out, by the way, who were the other creditors? Rav Papa and Rafuna. So what happens? Tafsua inhu. So we'll say Rav Papa and Rav Huna grab the boat. So listen to this. Rav Papa mimlach maluchi. Rav Papa got in and started rowing it. Rav Huna bring Rav Yeshua mamtach lebaashla. So I will say Rav Huna Yeshua was pulling it with a rope. So we'll say it must have been as quite a scene, right? So Rav Papa is trying to paddle. Rav Huna is trying to pull it, and they're doing it at the same time, right? They're both trying. Now we'll say now remember again, they both have a right as creditors to acquire the property, and they're both doing a Kenyan. They're trying to do a Maisi Kenyan. So, so Papa saying, I'm acquiring the whole thing, I'm, I'm paddling it, I'm rowing it. And Rav Huna said, what are you talking about? I'm pulling it, I'm acquiring it. So So they bumped into Rav Pinchas Barami. What happened? Rav says, guys, you know you don't have, neither of you have a right to this boat. Because remember, we passed him like Rabbi Akiva. Namely, what happens when a person dies? What happens when a person dies? Ultimately, the property becomes the possession of the estate of the Asolim. And no creditor has a right to go ahead and take it. Right? So, said, neither of you have a right to this boat. The only time maybe there's a right is when? Is if, is if the item in question is in the public domain. Maybe then you have a right. And here this boat is not. They said, no, no, no. We also, we seized it ultimately, again, literally from the turbulent part of the river. In other words, it wasn't parked on the bank of the river, but rather ultimately, again, it was in the more turbulent part of the river, the middle of the river, which ultimately, again, is like Rishos Harabim. Incredible. So So they came before Rava. Amr al Rava said to them, The white geese are trying to take the clothing of people. The white geese, Rava says, is a reference to Rav Papa and Rafuna because they were older. Trying to take the clothing of people was a reference to the fact that they're trying to claim this asset, this boat, in satisfaction of their debt. So the Gemara says, because by the way, you can't seize any assets of the deceased, of the deceased, right? The only time that a creditor could seize assets is when, is when, is halacha that they seize it during the lifetime of the creditor. But after he dies, everything automatically becomes the property of who? The Yarshim, and no creditor has a right to seize it. So we'll say, so what do you begin to see? Once again, another story that seems to point us in a direction that we paskin like Rabbi Akiva, Namely, that after the death of Ruvain, his entire estate becomes the property of the Isomim, and no creditor has a right to seize it after his death. Again, we'll say just to be clear, 
do creditors have rights in the estate of the deceased? The answer is, of course. But there's a mechanism for collection. What's the mechanism? What's the mechanism? You go to Beisdin, right? What can't you do? You can't seize assets. Contrast that with being a creditor during the lifetime of, of, of the debtor. Then it will say there are certain circumstances where if assets present themselves, you can seize them in satisfaction of the debt. Good. Avimi braid Rabbi Avo, Havimaski Bezuzi Bechozai, but say fascinating case. Listen to this. Avimi, Avimi owed money to some people in Bechozai. He owed money. So we'll say, so what happened? Shadrinu biyad chama berei duraba baravua. So we'll say, he sent the money, he sent repayment. So there was, in this case, over here, Avimi owes the money. He sent the repayment in the hands of Chama. So he sends money with Chama. So what happens? Azal Parinu, Chama went and paid back the debt. So Amr Havuli Shtara. So Chama said, okay, I paid back the debt. Now return the loan document. Remember again, when you loan someone money, so lender, bless you, lender holds the document. And upon repayment of the debt, document is given to the borrower. That effectively becomes his receipt that he's gone ahead and paid back the debt. So now what happens? Chama repays the money and Chama says, okay, give me back the document. Amrulay, so the people of Bechazai said to him, Sitrayninu, no, no, no. Chama, excuse me, Avimi owed us two loans. He, he borrowed two amounts of money. What you just paid back was the other loan, not the one recorded in the document. And therefore, again, they would not record the document. They would not, I'm sorry, they would not return the document. So, what's the problem? What's the problem? So now, Chama returns back to Avimi. He paid back the money. He doesn't have the document. So now, essentially what? Avimi still owes Bechozoi the loan recorded in the document. As one could imagine, Avimi was not very happy. First of all, you could imagine, Avimi says, number one, there's no second loan. There's no second loan. And you, Shaliach, you put me at a terrible disadvantage. So tell me, do you have witnesses that you repaid the debt? So to which Chama responded, no, I, I just repaid it privately. So Here's the novel. So the people of Bechozai, they have a migo. What's their migo? What's their migo? They could deny the transaction ever occurred, right? They could deny, they could just say nothing ever happened. So the fact that they could deny the entire transaction, because there's no witnesses, they are believed to say that the money you gave them is in payment of a different debt. So we'll say, so therefore, again, the people of Bechazai are believed. Now, what's the Shaila? We'll say, this is a fascinating discussion. Is there Shaliach responsibility? Right? So now the Shaliach, Chama, Chama, did not properly execute his agency. So is there Shaliach liability now? In other words, we'll say, would we make the Shaliach repay Chama? Would we make Chama repay Avimi or not? Am Ravashi. So Ravashi is like this. Chazinon, we look at the following. If ultimately, again, he says, so we'll say, it depends on the instructions that Avimi gave to Chama. If Avimi explicitly said, listen, get the document back and then pay the money, then ultimately, again, Mishalim. Then the Shaliach would be responsible because the Shaliach did not comply with the instructions of the agency. But ultimately, again, but if Avimi said, if Avimi first said, pay the money and then get the Shtar, then ultimately, lo Mishalim. So we'll say, essentially, the Gemara says it like this. We look at the instructions, 
that the Mishaliach that Avimi, right, that the, that, right, that Avimi gave to his Shaliach Haba. If Avimi explicitly said, get the document back first before you pay the money, then the Shaliach is in violation of the instructions. If you violate the instructions, then you're Chayiv for any level of, for any level of, of damages that occur. If however, he didn't give him those instructions, then Allah he wouldn't be liable for low healing. Mar says, in fact, this is not true. This is incredible. Look at the, look at the, look at the conclusion. Either way, either way, the shaliach, al-chama, thank you so much, thank you. Either way, chama has to go ahead and pay back, pay back the debt. Why does he have to go back and pay the debt? Because we'll say, Avimi can say to him, so, I sent you to help me, not to damage me. Right? I sent you to help me and not to damage you. So we'll say, this is actually an incredible halacha. And this is how the Rambam Paskin's halacha lemaisa. So we'll say, Shlichus 101. Shlichus 101 is you never repay a debt without what? Without what? Without getting the document. Right? Or in other words, at, at least seeing that document or somehow arranging for that. In other words, because we'll say, repaying a debt, repaying a debt without going ahead and having the document in hand is opening yourself up to exactly this kind of case. So therefore, Rabbi Osayi, the Gemara says like this, Ravashi says like this, that, was, that at the end of the day, Allah said the Shaliach, in this case, is going to be Chayiv, to pay back the money to the Mishaleach, to the, what do we call the, the, the agent and the, the principal, right? The principal, he's going to be obligated. Why? Because the principal can say, what are you doing? I sent you to help me out, not to put me at a disadvantage. You were derelict in your responsibility. You did not properly execute your shalichos. And therefore, again, there is liability for the shaliach in this case. An incredible, incredible case. Let's say, let's go right there. Okay, here we go. Interesting case. So we'll listen to this. There was a woman with whom Ruvain deposited a bag of loan documents, right? In other words, Ruvain, Ruvain, Ruvain was a creditor to a lot of people. A lot of people owed Ruvain money, and he had a bag of loan documents owed to him. So he deposited this money, or these, excuse me, this bag of documents with a particular woman. Asu, so we'll say what happened. Ruvain died. Ruvain died. Asu Yarshim Katavalemina. So the Yarshim came to get to get their father to get the bag of loan documents from the woman. So what happens? So the Gemara says, Amrlahu, she said to them, your father owed me money, and I seized this bag of loan documents in satisfaction of the debt that he owed me while he was still alive. Smart lady, smart lady, right? So there's no seizure after death. So she claims while he was alive. I seized this, this bag of loan documents from him. So therefore, I'm not giving it back to you. So they come to Basin. When they come to Rav Nachman, So Rav Nachman says to the woman, tell me, do you have witnesses that Reuven came back to try to get his bag of loan documents and you refused to give it to him because you seized in the satisfaction of the debt while he was still alive? Do you have witnesses to that? So she said, no. If you can't prove that you seized this during the lifetime of Ruvain, then we have to assume that this is a post-death seizure. And I both say, what is the luck of a post-death seizure? 
illegal. Illegal, because all the property goes to the Yisumun like Rabbi Akiva, and therefore such a seizure is insignificant. Another story. We'll say now, only because we just spoke about a story with a woman, we're bringing down another story with a woman. There was a particular woman who was Chayva Shvua. We'll say, whatever the reason, she was, she was obligated to take an oath in Beisdin. Listen to this story. What happened? So, so in the Beisdin of Rava, Amr Lei Bas Rav Chista, the daughter of Rav Chista said to Rava, Rabbi said, who's the daughter of Rav Chista? The daughter of Rav Chista was Rava's wife. So Rava's wife says to him, so I know this lady, I know this lady, and she lies through her teeth, right? So don't let, essentially what she was saying to her husband is, don't let this lady take a shvuah because she will swear falsely in Beisdin. So we'll say, there's a fascinating concept in the halachos of shvuah of an oath called you could flip an oath. What does it mean to flip an oath? Let's say you have two people come to Beisdin, Reuben and Shimon. And, we, and Reuven is obligated to take an oath. But we know Reuven is a dishonest person. So Reuven will lie under oath. What do you do when you know that one of the litigants potentially could lie under oath? You flip the oath to the other party. Such a, we'll see that in Shua. Such, 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 such a concept like that. So therefore, again, Rava flipped the oath in this case. Good. One time, right? It happened in front of Rava. Ultimately, again, someone brought the particular documents, all right? Reuven brought a document that said that Shimon owed him money. So let's now watch this. This is fascinating. So the Gemara said, said, I happen to know that this document is already paid up, right? Reuven is trying to illegally ex- extract money from Shimon. The document was already paid. So listen to this on both sides. So they said to him, So I'll say, interestingly enough, so interestingly enough, ultimately again, so, so uh, interestingly enough, this, Rav said to him, tell me, do you know, is there someone else who could attest to this with you? In other words, there, is there another witness that the document is paid up? So, so Amr Leilo, to which Rav Papa said, no, only me. Even though again, Rav Papa, you're saying it's paid up, you're only an eight echad. Amr Rav Adabar Masna, Velo Rav Papa Kibas Rav Chista, is Rav Papa not as strong as the daughter of Rav Chista? Sheba said, the daughter of Rav Chista said to her husband, Rava, this lady is not believed. And based on that, Rava flipped the Shavuot to the other party. So ultimately, again, should Rav Papa not be at least as believable as the daughter of Rav Chista? Sheba said, this is incredible. So the Gemara says, so, so Rava responded, Bas Rav Chista kimli begava, marlo kimli begave. I know the daughter of Rav Chista. I don't know you. I don't know you. There's a will say, so at the end of the day, the ability to go ahead and believe the testimony of an individual is fundamentally based on how well you know that individual. So you're saying, I know the daughter of Chista, I don't know you. Now that we know about say that knowing someone adds a level of veracity to their testimony. So ultimately he going, Abba Mari Dikimli Bigabe Karana Shtara Apume. Someone like Abba Mari, if you were to tell me that a star is an, is an invalid star, I would tear it up based on his testimony. So Karana, really, you would tear up a star? Mostly tearing up a star is a pretty significant thing. Ella, merana star apume. Doesn't mean tear it up, but rather what? I would weaken it. As well say, meaning that if someone like, if someone like Abba, if someone like Abba Mar, if someone like Abba Mar, ultimately, again, would go ahead and say that such a star has been paid, I would take his words seriously. 
and we'll look at the star a bit more critically. Okay. What's this particular woman who was obligated in a shvua in the basin of Rabbi Barabai? Amaluhu, Hahu Baldin, Tisi Vitishtaba Bamasa, Asher de Mechsefa Umodi. So let's listen to this. So now this woman, we'll call her Rachel, was obligated to take a shvua to Ruvain. Ruvain says, I'm telling you, she's going to lie under oath. So there's only one way to ensure she's not going to lie. Let's move the case back to our hometown. Ruven and Rachel came from the same place. Let's move the case, change of venue. Let's move the case to our hometown because if she has to take a shvua in front of her own landsman, in front of her own townspeople, she'll be more reticent to lie. So change of venue, change into her hometown. That's the only way you could ensure that she's going to swear truthfully. So what happens? Well, this is incredible. So so the woman, so Rachel says, okay, that's fine. I'll agree to a change of venue. I'll swear in my hometown, but on one condition. First wide line of us on the bottom. Here's, the, here's my condition. Write for me a document that exonerates me. I'm going to take you to my hometown. I want you to write the document now. Write it now, so that, because what was she concerned about? I'm going to go to my hometown, change the venue, I'm going to swear, the ruling is the right, the, the judge is, gonna, is going to rule, is going to rule in my favor, and then what? I'm going to have to come back to you guys to get a document certifying the judgment in my favor. So I'll agree to the change of venue, but I essentially want you to write the document that says, I've been exonerated, write it now. You don't have to sign it now, You're right, you can sign it later, if you sign it later, but I want you to write it now. That way I could be done with this as soon as I go ahead and take the oath in my hometown. Okay? Amur Rabbi Barabai, Kisula. Rabbi Barabai said, fine, write it for her. I was about to say, we're not going to sign it now. We're not going to sign it now. We're not going to sign it now. But, but Lemaisa, again, write it now. So the Gemara says, listen to this. So, so Rabbi Barabai said, fine. Amur Rabbi Barabai, Rabbi Barabai said, Mishum Dasis Mimimulaya, Mishum Mimimulaisa. Because you come from truncated people, you say truncated things. And it was Rabbi Barabaye, was Rashi points out, was a descendant of Eli Akoin. There was a curse upon the house of Eli that all the male members, all, all the men of the house of Eli would die young. This was a result ultimately again of the egregious behavior of Chafni and Pinchas, the sons of Eli, and Eli's failure to rebuke them. So there was a curse upon the house of Eli. So they called the people of Eli truncated people, Mimulai. So because you come from a truncated home, you say truncated stuff. So the Gemara says, Ha'amarava, Hayasharta didani demichtava mikamei dinachvu sa'adiyah chasimu sa'adayu, Psula, Ama mechsi kashikra, Ha'akana mechsi kashikra, Bosei. Remember again, Bosei, from our Yuvamis days, Ashtarta didani, right? When you have a star, when you have a star and you have a witness, witnesses sign on the star, and what? We don't know the witnesses. We don't know the witnesses. So we'll say there's a concept of kiyam shtaras, right? Kiyam shtaras means other witnesses come and what? They don't testify about what it says in the star. What do they testify about? The signatures of the witnesses that they're legitimate. So the Gemara says, you can't proactively go ahead and draw up Asharta the daini, right? And then when the witnesses come, you can't do that. In other words, we both say there's a concept of Allah Mechsekeshikra. Something looks false. Proactively drafting legal documents that attest to legal realities which have not yet occurred looks like shikra. It looks like falsehood. So we'll say this is incredibly important. In other words, I just want to point out over here, all we're trying to do is save a little bit of time. So what am I doing? I'm drawing up a legal document that attests to a reality that has not yet occurred. I'm not signing it yet. I'm not signing it yet. But I'm drawing it up. You can't do that. 
You can't do that because Mexic is shikra, it looks like sense. It's not shakar, it's not actual false because you haven't signed it, but it's Mexic is shikra, it looks fundamentally false. So the Gemara says, Velesa. What about Midrad Nachman? Midrad Nachman. Omer Yirmer, Afidu Matzah Ba'ashver Lechasmo, V'nasnu Lakasher. I both say, what about the Gemara of Nachman who says that by a get, let's say I both say, Reuven is married to Rachel, Reuven goes ahead and finds a get in the garbage that was written by a guy by the name of Reuven to Rachel, right? And finds a get, and Reuven says, oh, it's a simon. It's a simon, right? I, I've been on the fence for a long time about this marriage. Now it's a simon. I found the gar, right? The get in the garbage. Hashem wants me to divorce my wife. So he just wants to go ahead and use the get. Use the get. And then he signs on the get. He didn't sign the get. It's kosher. Now, I both say, now that's interesting because again, a get requires lishma. But you see over here that again, he's using a get that's been written by someone else. Even the Rabbanon only disagree in this case by a get. Because a get requires the Shema. But again, by other Shtaras, ultimately, again, that everyone would agree that you could use a Shtar which was proactively drafted. So the Gemara says, You will say, if a loan document that was already used and repaid, you can't use it again for a transaction. Why? Because the lien was already voided. The reason you can't reuse a loan document is because the lien was already voided. But again, in terms of the appearance of falsehood, and apparently, again, we're not so concerned about. So I will say, so it turns out, the Gemara seems to indicate over here, that we're not concerned for Shikra, right? We're not concerned, ultimately, that the proactive drafting of legal documents has the appearance of falsehood. As long as, of course, what? As long as what? As long as what? As long as you're not signing it. In other words, so it seems to be what the Gemara is saying over here is it's to save time. You want to proactively draft documents, not sign them, just draft them. That would be permitted. It doesn't look like shikra. Now, both say whether or not it's a good idea is a different discussion, right? It sounds like a very bad idea, but Lamaisa, again, you can understand in a case like this where we're asking the woman to agree to a change of venue, and she's saying, I'll agree to the change of venue, but I don't want to have to come back here, wherever here is for the certification of the judgment. So certify the judgment now. Don't sign it, but have it ready to go so that as soon as I swear, I'm good to go. The Gemara seems to indicate actually would be a, an acceptable solution. Viter, ho gavra, now a lot of stories today, great stories, both say this is a great one. Ho gavra, ta'af kishev marganisa de tsari besadina beirab miyasha. Barbara is Rabbi Yoshua ben Both listen to this. There was a guy who deposited seven, seven pearls, seven pearls, Wrapped up in a in a sardina in a in a cloth in the house of Rabbi Miasha. Rabbi Miasha, Rabbi Miasha Bar 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 the family doesn't know what, doesn't know what. what. What's the story with those pearls? Do they belong to Rabbi Asha, not belong to Rabbi Asha? So also, I'll just point out, by the way, what a, what a profound statement of Shachib Rabbi Asha Velopakid. Rabbi Asha died and he did not leave instructions to his household. And I will say, the, the Chazal tell us that Yaakov Avinu davened for sickness. Before Yaakov Avinu, before Yaakov Avinu, the Gemara says, people just died. They were alive one moment, they died. 
Yaakov Avinu davened for sickness. Why? So that a person should know that the end was near, and that way a person would be able to get their affairs in order. Right? Yaakov Avinu said a person has to, and it's not just monetary affairs, that, that in life, you know, we'll say for whatever the reason, sometimes there are things that we want to tell our loved ones that we never get around to saying. Right? Or there are things we want to do in life that we don't get around to doing. And so halacha lamaisa, illness reminds a person that the end is near, and they take care of the things they need to take care of. That was what Yaakov Avinu davened for. And it's an amazing, amazing thing how an entire lifetime could go by. And I haven't done the things I need to do, said the things I need to say. So let's say, obviously the goal in life is not to wait till your deathbed to say what you need to say to your family members. And the goal in life is not to wait until your deathbed to do the things in life you need to do. But sometimes, no matter how much you try to accomplish in life, there are things that when you die are left unresolved. Halavai should just be financial things and not anything more dramatic. So Rabbi Asha dies, no one knows what the story of the pearls were. So let's look at me, Rabbi Ami, Amalei, so, so they came before Rabbi Ami. They said, what should we do? So this is incredible. Amalei, Chada diadana beit Rabbi Asha barbareit Rabbi Yosho Levi, Delo Amid. First of all, he said, I know Rabbi Asha, he was not wealthy. So because he was not wealthy, chances are those pearls are not his. Those pearls are not his. Va'od ha'kayoyev simna. Furthermore, again, I'm sorry, there's one more piece over here. After Amiyasha died, a guy came and said, those are my pearls. Those are my pearls. So furthermore, the guy who came gave a simon about the pearls. And again, obviously the giving of a simon would seem to indicate that what? That they were truly his. But the giving of a simon only works when only if it was a person who was not commonly in Rabbi Miyash's house. But if it was someone who was in Rabbi Miyash's house, maybe the, maybe the pearls belonged to someone else, and the reason this guy was able to give a simon was why? Why? Because he was always present in the house. Incredible. So we'll say a very interesting case. Another story. There was a story of a guy, someone who deposited a silver, a silver cup in the house of Chasa. Shachiv Chasa, Velo Pakid, Shachasa died, and ultimately again, and ultimately he did not leave any instructions regarding the silver cup. So I will say, a guy shows up and says, the silver cup is mine. Also coming to Rabnachman, so they come to Basin. Now the Yarshim, right, the children of Chasa don't know what to do. So the children say, we don't know. The, the guy, Ruven is showing up and saying, that's my silver cup. They come before Rabnachman. Amrle, so Rabnachman said, I knew Chasa was not a wealthy man, and therefore he would not have possessed such a silver cup. Furthermore, again, the guy who's showing up is giving a simon about the cup. And the simon is only meaningful when, if it wasn't a guy who was in and out of Chasa's house, but if it was a guy who was in and out of Chasa's house, it's possible, again, that in fact the cup belonged to someone else, and this guy just happened to see it and knew the simon because he was in and out of the house. So we have to stop over here for today. More incredible Gimara Torah will say, Shkoyach.